Section number 7 of Herbals, Their Origin and Evolution, a chapter in the history of botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. Herbals, Their Origin and Evolution, a chapter in the history of botany by Agnes Arbor, 4th. The Botanical Renaissance of the 16th and 17th Centuries, Part 4. The Herbal in Switzerland Among the many scientific men whose names are associated with Switzerland, one of the most renowned is Conrad Gessner, who was born at Zurich in 1516, the son of a poor furrier. His taste for botany was due, in the first instance, to the influence of his uncle, a Protestant preacher. Conrad went to France to study medicine, but in Paris the richness of the libraries and the delight of associating with learned men tempted him away from his special subject into a course of omnivorous reading. After an interval of school teaching at Zurich, he betook himself to Basel, where he entered more methodically upon the study of medicine at the same time attempting to support himself by working at a Latin dictionary. However, after a short period of student life, he found the expense too great and was obliged to abandon it and to take a post as teacher of classics in Lausanne. He had received assistance at different times from his native town, which again came to his help at this juncture and generously allotted to him a Rice Stipendium for the continuance of his medical studies. He indeed owed much to Zurich, for, after taking his doctorate, he was appointed first to the professorship of philosophy there, and then to that of natural history, which he held until he died of the plague in his forty-ninth year. Gessner's most remarkable characteristic was his versatility and encyclopedic knowledge. He has been called the Pliny of his time, his work on bibliographical and linguistic subjects was of importance, and he also wrote on medicine, mineralogy, zoology, and botany. The botanical works published during his life were not of great importance, but at the time of his death he had already prepared a large part of the material for a general history of plants, which was intended as a companion work for his famous Historia Animalium. In order to illustrate it, he had collected 1,500 drawings of plants, the majority original, though some were founded on previous footcuts, especially those of Fioxes. The undertaking was so far advanced that some of the figures had been drawn upon the wood, and certain blocks had even been engraved. The whole collection and the manuscripts he bequeathed for publication to his friend Caspar Wolf. Wolf seems to have made an honest effort to carry out Gessner's wishes, and he succeeded in publishing a few of the woodcuts as an appendix to Simler's Vita Conradi Gessneri. Unfortunately, he was hampered by weak health, and the task as a whole proved beyond his powers. He sold everything to Joachim Camerarius the Younger, with the proviso that the purchaser should make himself responsible for the publication. Camerarius failed to fulfil the spirit of this obligation. It is true that he brought a large number of Gessner's figures before the public, but he did this only by the indirect method of using them, among his own drawings, to illustrate an edition of Mattioli and a book of his own. Finally, 
about a hundred and fifty years after the death of Camerarius, Gessner's drawings and blocks came into the possession of the eighteenth-century botanist and bibliographer Christoph Jacob True, who published them, thus giving Gessner his due so far as was possible at that late date. Such blocks as were in good conditions were printed directly, and, from the drawing, a number of copper engravings were made, coloured like the originals. The drawings were of unequal merit, some of them being on a very small scale and lacking in clearness. In one point, however, Gessner shows a marked advance on the methods of his contemporaries, namely in giving detailed analyst studies of flower and fruit structure, as well as a drawing showing the habit of the plant. It must not be forgotten that, even in True's edition, it is impossible to discriminate with certainty between the work of Gessner and that of Camerarius. Unfortunately, we have no knowledge of the text of Gessner's manuscript, but his letters make it clear that his interest in botany was thoroughly scientific. If his work were extant, he would probably shine as a discoverer of new species, especially among alpines, for his figures indicate that he was acquainted with a number of plants which Delclus, Caspard Bohin, and others were the first to describe. Among Gessner's numerous scientific correspondents was Jean Bohin, a brilliant young man, twenty-five years his junior. Their acquaintance began when Bohin was only eighteen, but, in spite of his friend's youth, Gessner consulted him in botanical difficulties, describing him as Irutidesimus et Ornatissimus Juvenis. Jean Bohin was the son of a French doctor, a native of Amiens, who had been converted to Protestantism by reading the Latin translation of the New Testament prepared by Erasmus. In consequence of his change of faith, he was subjected to religious persecution, which he avoided by retreating to Switzerland, where his sons Jean and Gaspard were born. The medical tradition seems to have been remarkably strong in the family. Both Jean and Gaspard became doctors, Gaspard, whose son also entered the profession, being, in fact, the second of six generations of physicians. For two hundred years, an unbroken succession of members of the family were medical men. After Jean Bohin had studied for a time at the University of Basel, he went to Tübingen, where he learned botany from Leonhard Fuchs. From Tübingen, he proceeded to Zurich, and accompanied Gessner on some journeys in the Alps. After further travel on his own account, and a period at the University of Montpellier, he reached Lyons, where he came in contact with Thierry Champs, who engaged him to assist with the Histoire des Plantes. Bohin began to occupy himself with his work, but his Protestantism proved a stumbling block to his life there, and he was obliged to quit France. Jean Bohin's chief botanical work, the Histoire Universale des Plantes, was a most ambitious undertaking, which he did not live to see published. However, his son-in-law Schurler, a physician of Basel, who had helped him in preparing it, brought out a preliminary sketch of it in 1619, and in 1650 and 1651, the magnum opus itself was published under the name of Historia Plantarum Universalis. This book is a compilation from all sources and includes descriptions of 5,000 plants. The figures, of which there are more than 3,500, 
are small and badly executed. A large proportion of them are ultimately derived from those of Fuchs. Jean Bohin's more famous brother, Gaspard, was born in 1560 and was thus the younger by 19 years. Gaspard studied at Basel, Padua, Montpellier, Paris and Tübingen. He also travelled in Italy, making observations about the flora and becoming acquainted with scientific men. Unfortunately, he missed being a pupil of Leonhard Fuchs, since his sojourn at Tübingen took place some years after the death of the famous herbalist, who had been his brother's teacher. The illness and death of his father in 1582 made it necessary for him to settle in Basel, where he became professor of botany and anatomy, and eventually of medicine. Inspired by the example of his brother, he conceived the plan of collecting, in a single work, all that had been previously written upon plants, and especially of drawing up a concordance of all the names given by different authors to the same species. His extensive early travels served as a good preparation for this task, since he had not only observed and collected widely, but had established relations with the best botanists in Europe. He formed a herbarium of about 4,000 plants, including specimens from correspondence in many countries, even Egypt and the East Indies. Besides, steady bearing directly on his great project, he accomplished a considerable amount of critical and editorial work, which also had its value in relation to his main plan. There is a marked parallelism between the careers of the Bohin brothers, for Gaspard's great work underwent much the same vicissitudes as that of Gion. The main part of Gaspard's chief work never saw the light at all, although his son brought out one instalment of it, many years after his father's death. Gaspard was, however, more fortunate than Jean, in that he lived to see the publication of three important preliminary volumes as the result of his researches, and it is on these that his reputation rests. The Prodromos Theatri Botanici of 1620 consisted of descriptions of 600 species, which the author regarded as new, although several had, as a matter of fact, been already described by Del Clues. Figures of about 140 species are given, two of which are here reproduced. One of these, the potato, still retains the name of Solanum tuberosum, which Bohin gave to it. He had previously published a description of this plant in an earlier work, the Phytopinax of 1596. In 1623, Gaspard Bohin brought out his most important botanical work, the Pinax Theatri Botanici. By this date, owing to the number of different names bestowed upon the same plant by different authors and the varying identifications of those described by the ancients, the subject of plant nomenclature had been reduced to a condition of woeful confusion. Bohin's Pinax converted chaos into order, since it contained the first complete and methodical concordance of the names of plants, and was so authoritative as to earn for the author the title of Legislator in Botanique. The work, which dealt with about 6,000 plants, was recognized as preeminent for many years. Morrison criticized the scheme of arrangement on which it was based, but adopted its nomenclature, as also did Ray. Tournefort also retained, as far as possible, the names of the genera and species used in the Painax. 
as Sackers long ago pointed out, this work is the first and for that time a completely exhaustive book of synonyms and is still indispensable for the history of individual species. No small praise to be given to a work that is more than 250 years old. Gaspard Bohin deserves great honour as the first to introduce some degree of order into the chaotic muddle of nomenclature and synonymy. The special merits of his work, more especially his power of concise and lucid description and his faculty for systematic arrangement, may perhaps be attributed to his French blood, since such qualities are markedly characteristic of French scientific writing. It is much to be regretted that the two brothers Bohin should have carried on their work independently and separately, considering that they had in view practically identical objects, objects in which each only achieved a partial success. It seems as if a work of much greater value might have resulted if they had joined forces. End of chapter number four, part four.